everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. In this one, Jake and I sat down with our new friend, Bruce Hall. We met Bruce in Florida a little over a year ago at the beginning of the 2021 turkey season. And since then, I believe Jake started following him on Instagram and started realizing he does a lot of the same stuff that we do. So he invited him up to come hunt with us in Wisconsin. And we spent the tail end of the Wisconsin season hunting turkeys with him. In the last two and a half months, he's been all over the place. He's traveled all across the country, and he's now up in Michigan finishing out his turkey season there. But he has a whole bunch of cool stories that we just thought would be fun to share with you guys. Traveling and hunting puts you in a lot of unique situations, so we decided we'd just have a conversation about that, traveling across the country, and a little bit of turkey hunting strategy within that as well. For me, turkey season is officially over. I think Jake and Ted may try to go to Michigan, but they're still kind of on the fence about it. So for me, I'm going to start transitioning into summer scouting. I'm going to be cruising around to different areas looking for deer, elk, and I'll be still looking for turkeys for next season. But throughout the year, I always have a pair of Vortex Diamondback HD 10x42 binos on me. That's what I use just for quick glassing. I always have those on my chest, but I also always have a spawning scope with me. The spotting scope that I always have with me is the Diamondback HD. I like an angled spotting scope. I used to always use a straight spotting scope and then I tried an angled one and I realized that for me that works a lot better, especially when you're in hilly stuff. You know, having that angle allows you to sit a little bit more comfortably when you're glassing. So if you guys have any interest in getting your own Vortex Optics, you can save 10% off of all of their products if you go over to eurooptic.com and use the code THP10. The reason that we use Vortex Optics is because they've got an awesome warranty. If anything happens to your optics, they're going to fix them or replace them. So because of that warranty, I personally wouldn't buy anything else. So as you guys know, last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. And that's why we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild is a free social media community where not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and a whole lot more. So if you go over and create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. All you got to do is visit downloadgowild.com to get started. There's also a link in the description of this podcast that you can click that'll send you over there as well. And finally, we have an awesome deal from our friends at Exodus. If you're somebody that has been interested in buying one of their cameras, but maybe has been on the fence about doing it, this is the deal for you. To celebrate their seven-year anniversary, they're providing special savings on the Exodus Render, the Render SP18 bundle, the SP18, and Exodus gear. For the next 300 Exodus Renders that are sold, you can save 20% off per camera if you use the code YEAR7 at checkout. The code will also lock in savings site-wide on all camera bundles and Exodus gear. If you're not familiar with the product line, the render is their Verizon 4G LTE camera and provides some of the fastest transmission times in the entire industry. It's a camera that just flat out works and they have an awesome warranty that has you covered from theft and damage for five years. They're also excited to announce that they have a new limited product offering 
for archery hunters, but you'll have to sign up to the Exodus newsletter to learn the details. So head to their website at exodusoutdoorgear.com and give the Exodus guys some support and be sure to lock in those savings. All right, guys, let's talk with Bruce about traveling the country to hunt turkeys. We got old Bruce Hall with us today. Bruce Hall. Bruce, why don't you uh, tell everybody about yourself briefly, you know, briefly or as yeah. long as you want. You I know? think we should talk about how we met Bruce first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how we met Bruce is we were at the uh, public lands of Florida. And how, actually, I, I just remember showing up to bruce standing at the back of the truck that's what i remember and he'd kill the turkey nasciola he said he was dead tired that day (laughs) (laughs) walked 19 miles or something and uh yeah that's how we met and then here we are uh, over a year later in wisconsin totally different i mean how many miles do you think that is different (laughs) a lot (laughs) quite a few a lot in between there too and uh yeah so bruce tell everybody about yourself so I was born and raised in a small town in central Georgia, uh, Eastman, Georgia. It's in Dodge County, and not a whole lot going on in Dodge County. It's a pretty quiet area. Uh, went to public school there, graduated with 175 folks, I think, so mm-hmm. not not too much going on. Uh, have been hunting for quite a while. My dad got me into it when I was pretty young, and he and I shared the woods a lot together when I was young and we still do today uh, and I, I haven't really slowed down on the hunting if anything I've only picked up uh-huh. and have really gotten into the, the turkey hunting thing pretty hardcore uh over the last you know five six years it's just kind of really taken off for me and I've, I've always loved a turkey hunt but the older I got and uh, I guess I should kind of go back and say when my dad took me to South Dakota back in 2009, I'd always said since then when I got old enough to do a little more traveling on my own, I was going to. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, you know, started doing it more and more. And the more you do it, the more you want to do it. Uh-huh. So it just gets addicting and it led me here. So it <laughs> le- led me down to Florida where we ended up meeting. And uh-huh. then, you know, this wasn't even on my radar 10 days ago. I wasn't even, or 12 days ago, I wasn't even planning on really coming to Wisconsin. Definitely wasn't planning on coming here and, yeah. you know, running up with y'all and hunting. That's and, another, I think you should, we should talk about that too. Is like, you basically haven't worked since <laughs> April, what, 15th? And I think that's, I think that's something that people, some, a lot of people listening might want to do, but they're just like, how the hell do I, yeah. just like, take off work you know and then you got to sacrifice a lot of things but just talk about kind of your situation well i'm i'm single first off i don't, <laughs> I don't have any kids uh, yeah. second and i'm i'm not married or anything like that so that takes you know that that's a big difference right there and a lot of people yeah. that that really would like to do this a lot more and be able to just have more time to hunt i mean i understand you got family obligations and you should should mm-hmm. take care of that i mean that's mm-hmm. what you should do uh, at this point, I don't have those kind of obligations, not saying they won't come up at some point, but mm-hmm. for, for right now, it's, I mean, it works out really well and I've got a good boss, man. He's understanding and he knows how much I love to do this. Mm-hmm. I love to deer hunt too, mm-hmm. but I don't ask a bunch of time off to deer hunt in the fall. I'll hunt when I can. Uh, 
but April and May come around, and you know, he's he's pretty good to me. So, yeah, <laughs> he, he know he knows as soon as I get back, I'll be getting back to work. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, and that's that's nice. So having having that too is something that not everybody's going to encounter. Uh, there's you know some jobs that are just not going to allow that. Yeah. I've, t- I've talked to a, a p- fair amount of people though. I'm always interested to hear the different situations that people find themselves in that they're able to travel and hunt in some fashion, right? So, you know, like we met, um, actually in the same trip that we met Bruce, we met Joey. Yeah. Joey's a fishing guide. Yep. And, um, oh, he fishing guides in Florida and Maryland, I believe. Yeah, just seasonally different. You know, he's, he was down there in Florida when we were down there turkey hunting. Yep. And he works a bunch, he said, in the summer and then um, winter, but then during deer and turkey season, he's able to get a bunch of time off. And, like, mm-hmm. he's been all over the place this season, too. I follow him on Instagram now and message him every, you know, a little bit here and there. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's been out west and a bunch of places in the east. And yeah. It's it's just interesting. I mean, I've, I'm sure I've probably even said this on the podcast before, too, but I think it was with you. Remember the guy we met in Iowa that was like, yeah, man, I just quit my job every... You know, my kids, my kids are graduated uh-huh. and, and, you know, I'm not, not married anymore. My kids are graduated and went, you know, off on their own. And he's like, I drive this beater car and don't have a whole lot of expenses. I pretty uh-huh. much just quit my job every fall. And he's like, I just deer hunt all fall, you know? And then <laughs> I'm always interested to hear those different stories because I think, you know, as a kid, sorry, I'm kind of going off on my own deal, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> but like when I was a kid, I used to tell my parents all the time, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I just want to hunt all the time. And they're like, well, you can't just hunt all the time. I'm like, well, I have to, yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. have to find a way to do it. And I, I just always find it interesting, the, the different stories and different ways people get there. So, uh-huh. yeah. So what, where all have you been this season? Oh, uh, quite a few places. Uh, I've had, <laughs> had quite the, quite the journey uh still got one left too so we're we're here doing this on june the first and obviously wisconsin just ended yesterday and pretty much every everywhere it did but i do have a michigan tag that i'm gonna go go try and use so that'll be one state right there that maybe i can go to here in the the final days and and find a turkey that wants to play but uh, so obviously we we hunted Wisconsin some, and I I came from Nebraska and Colorado on the way here, and I ended up going to the Pacific Northwest and hitting Oregon and Washington, and hunted Idaho and and Montana and Wyoming, and just kind of hunted my way all the way to the to the West Coast. <laughs> How you know? many states have you been in this season? They're hunted in this season, or had held a uh, license in, I guess. I think sixteen or seventeen. <laughs> that's so insane dude Uh so i mean and just kind of go and some days some states i'm there for you know like i say they got a one bird limit and i get lucky and kill a bird on day one yep you know as as much as i'd like to stay i'm I'm gonna go somewhere else where i can buy a license and Mm -hmm. and have a tag and some states i was there for like i think this is day seven here for me i think Mm -hmm. or Uh at least six so same way with Colorado. I spent six days there, and I spent another six in Oregon. My dad flew out to Oregon, and we turkey hunted there some. Uh, I'll just say our shooting percentage wasn't very good, but <laughs> we were in turkeys there, and that was a fun place to go. Neither one of us had ever been to Oregon, so it, it was fun to have the old man out there. And he's a bow hunter, so, I mean, just the situations you find yourself in trying to do that is, oh, yeah. <laughs> is fun, if nothing else. So, 
And you're always kind of clean up for the old man, aren't you? Well, I'm supposed to be, but it's, it's bad when the backup doesn't do his job. Uh-huh. When he misses, then you you just end a mess. So, yeah, we had a good time though. Saw piles and piles of elk, and yeah. saw. I finally, I've been at a bunch of mountain lion country this year and in years past too. But I finally saw a mountain lion in Oregon, of all places, which was cool. That's pretty sweet. He was taking a nap on the yellow line in the middle of the road, yeah. of all places, too. So. Uh-huh. Last place you think you're going to see your first mountain lion. Yeah, that's right. I don't think I've ever seen one. I know, I know I haven't ever seen one. I don't think I have either. I think I've seen a track, probably seen a track, or maybe more than I even realized, but I don't see too many mountain lions, so that's pretty cool that you did. Yeah, he was probably about a 110, 120-pound cat, so not a full-grown one, but bigger than any bobcat we get down in georgia uh-huh. i promise I. <laughs> the other funny thing about bruce is is everywhere he's been so is this so is this boy red oh yeah yeah i got a little two and a half year old he's almost three now irish setter and uh he travels all over the place with me he and i've actually been to 43 states together <laughs> seriously yeah been been to 43 of them so he's he's pretty well traveled for a for a dog (laughs) that's crazy and he probably just thinks this is how dogs are supposed to live just all this fun i mean he gets out and gets to run and adventure around and all the new smells so he has a good time and he don't complain any which is nice he's a nice little road partner for you he's not very good at driving unfortunately (laughs) so i have to do all that or spotting turkeys we talked about now, not unless they're in the middle of the road, then he sees them pretty good. Uh, he also gets to sleep with a whole bunch of people on a whole bunch of different places, couches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not sleeping outside in the yard. He wouldn't know what to think if you made him do that. He's used to being in the bed. That little cot I sleep on in my tent, I mean, it's not, not 20 inches wide probably, but he's definitely squeezing on that thing with you. He, <laughs> he's not going to sleep on the floor. Keeping your feet warm, you said. When Which it's is nice, uh-huh. yeah. You got to tell the story of how you got red. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> so, uh, I actually got bit by a rattlesnake in Georgia back in it was on september the 14th 2018 and i was at a place that i work at or worked at more uh and i'd been up there with a good buddy of mine and we we had some guests in camp that night and we had been shooting pool in the lodge and and stayed up late i think it was about midnight when i walked outside and was headed to bed and where i was sleeping at was really close to the dog kennel that we had out back and one of the dogs was in the kennel just barking uncontrollably so i knew i probably wasn't gonna fall asleep too easy with that going on and i went out there and you can spray the dog with the water hose and he'll be quiet and go back and get in his box and and go to sleep and i walk out there in the dark with a pair of crocs on a pair of shorts no shirt and opened up the kennel door to the dog and my first step in was on top of the snake (laughs) and he bit me twice before i could get off of him and I mean, just quick, super quick. And I, 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 I could feel my foot coming down on the snake. I could feel it squishing right before he bit me. But you know how when you already commit your weight onto that oh, yeah. foot, I mean, you're going down. He said it was fast, too. Just oh, like, very <laughs> fast. He probably could have bit me four times before I got <laughs> off of him. But he hit me twice, and I'm pretty sure that, I mean, the, the, the roof of the kennel is not very high, but I'm pretty sure I hit my head off when I, when I jumped. And I got out of there, and then I pulled my phone out of my pocket and turned the light on like I should have had on the whole time. 
and I see about a five foot cane break, uh, four and a half or so, five uh-huh. foot cane break laying there. And you said the, the first kennel. one was a, a false bite or whatever. Yeah, the you first one bite. was a dry bite. Dry and bite. the second one, he actually injected the venom. I mean, I didn't know this at the time. For all I knew, he got me with both of them. And I picked a piece of pipe up that was on top of the kennel there and uh, beat the snake pretty good. And I left the kennel door open so that the dog could get out. And apparently, in the end, the dog must have played with the snake a little bit because he got bit as well. And uh, I unknown to all i did not know all this this was all unknown to me i'm already on the way to the hospital uh my buddy that was up there in the lodge he came and drove drove me to the hospital and got there and i'm sitting in the emergency room talking to the doctor and this is probably 35 minutes or so after i've been bitten and you said you followed all the the road laws on the way to the hospital, right? At, well, I wasn't driving. I followed all the laws I could, but I wasn't driving. So I, knew, I, I will say that Johnny did not, but it's okay. Yeah, uh, I know. I get, in that, in I that get scenario, it. we had already, he told me, he said, I'm not pulling over till I get to the hospital, even if there's 20 of them behind me. So he said, we're getting you there. And uh-huh. that was fine with me. Uh, I, I got there and, and we were sitting there talking to the doctor in the emergency room. And at first, I remember kind of getting irritated with them because they were almost seemed like they were kind of brushing it off like oh they see this a bunch and it's people coming in with a king snake bite or something mm-hmm. they don't have you know people have no clue what kind of snake bit them they're just freaking out yeah. thinking they're gonna die and they don't know that i know what i'm talking about yeah, they yeah. don't know me at all so <laughs> i told them like hey guys this is i mean this was definitely a rattlesnake i promise you and the the doctor was sitting there talking to me and all of a sudden i started having trouble breathing and you said the problem with that though is if they give you the antivenom and, you, and it wasn't a, a rattler then you're in big trouble oh, right? and, or if he had not injected me with venom and then they give me the antivenom then it's then it's bad yeah. then i have a reaction that they probably can't fix uh-huh. and then i die quick yeah. so so they got to be careful is what the point of right. all that is. and i mean antivenom's not cheap they mm-hmm. keep it in a deep freezer i mean it's got to thaw out i mean i was still getting of the, of the dozen vials of antivenom that i got i was still getting it pumped into me like 40 hours after the bite really I mean, they, it's a slow process of them keeping that going through your, your blood system mm-hmm. uh, that that tissue damage from that venom can be long term and that's why that I, I guess they keep injecting that antivenom like that uh so you're, they, ta- you're talking to the doctor sorry yeah and you know it, I start losing my air, having trouble breathing, and I told him, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble breathing, and he, that's when it hits him. He said, all right, well, he's going into shock. He said, go on ahead and, you know, get the IV in him and intubate him, and let's get him under, and that was uh, that, that was pretty much it. I remember him putting the IV in my arm, and as they were, you know, put, putting me into a putting me under i just remember telling doc don't cut my leg off, <laughs> <laughs> and next thing I know, I wake up, and it's two days later, uh-huh. and I... I, I wasn't really in much pain. Uh, the, the bite itself kind of hurt. It, it felt like somebody whacked me with a bat in the leg and, you know, jabbed me with a fork also. Yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty pretty strong bite. It's it's amazing what kind of force they actually hit you yeah. with. That smack, it, it makes a sound, and you definitely feel it, I promise. Uh-huh. Uh, but the, the doctors knew what they were doing. They took good care of me, and they got me out of there i was in a coma for two days and in the icu for four and they released me from the icu and i don't have any effects from it now can't even see where no, it yeah. no scar no yeah, that's it, what i said i was just like damn well, at least, you probably wish you at least had a scar when you could tell the story <laughs> yeah yeah now now i mean you just got to take my word for it 
<laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that would be hilarious. Wow. Well, be cool if you just had like two, you know. Uh, get a tattoo of it. Get, yeah, yeah. You get a tattoo. There, yeah, there you right. go. That's your tattoo. Yeah. There you go. I would consider getting a tattoo if I get bit by a snake. Yeah. There's just been nothing significant enough that's happened in my life to make me feel like I need one yet. But Yep. Same here. <laughs> you said you woke up, though, and you're just like, can, well, can you turn college football on? Yeah. They're, they're like, it's Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was Friday when I got bit. So when I woke up, you know, obviously I think it's Saturday and I told them to turn college football on and they said, boy, it's Sunday. <laughs> that was, that was out of the question. Uh-huh. And so back to how this pertains to red, uh, the dog that was in the kennel with the snake originally and was barking is his dad. So he got bit right there on the face, sitting there messing around with the snake and he lived. As a matter of fact, he did way better than me. They took him to the vet, and he gave him just, you know, like an antibiotic shot and said, you know, we'll see you later. Come <laughs> back if he has any, you know, bad swelling. And he was fine. Took uh-huh. it like a champ. And meanwhile, I'm over here fighting for my life. <laughs> and it, it's amazing how those animals react to that venom so much uh, differently yeah. than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can live through it. We cannot. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you'll die. Uh, and so when when Finn, that's the the male dog that got got bitten too that's uh that's red's dad and when he bred jazz the female uh so matter of fact just to tie all this together my buddy that drove me to the hospital he owns both of those dogs the the mama and the daddy and when they bred and had puppies red was one was one out of that litter and so that's how i ended up with old red <laughs> and he's been a good dog i won't ever have one any better uh-huh. that's my buddy Hilarious. And you said you've hunted with all three of them together and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, too. I've hunted the mom, the mom, the dad, and Red together. And he's got you know brothers and sisters that all all of them love to hunt. They're all good dogs, so, and all just as loving. If you had all, I think there was nine of them in that litter. And if you had all nine of them in here, I mean, they'd be scattered on the couches, laying <laughs> on the floor. I mean, they're they're pitiful. Uh-huh. <laughs> here he comes. He knows we're talking yeah. about him. Yep, he knows. Uh, that's funny. That's but a pretty he's, good road partner you got there. Yeah, he's a good dog. And every, every time I come back and get him out of the truck, he's just as happy to get out and move around. And uh-huh. uh, he's he's a good boy. <laughs> so what um, what year did you start doing the traveling thing then? So I actually went on, on my, as far as like my first solo traveling trip, I went to Alabama back in 2016, I think. Yeah, probably 16. It could have been, yeah, 16 is probably when it was. And just went over there and, and did did plenty of research before I went. Knew an area that I wanted to go to, but I was just so green and just thinking about, I, I wasn't even thinking about seasons elsewhere and how they may be progressing. I'm just sitting there looking at Georgia and thinking, mm-hmm, it's going to be prime time. And then I get up in these mountains in Alabama and it's dead as a doornail still. <laughs> and it's 25 degrees and the wind was blowing 90 miles an hour. And I, I found turkeys, I heard turkeys, and I, I saw turkeys and came close to, to having turkeys coming to me, or maybe maybe they were going to come to me, but there was also some dogs running around that uh, they kind of foiled that first hunt for me all three days I was there. But, you know, that that hunt right there, I didn't really have a clue what I was doing, and still don't to an extent in a lot of places that I go to. I'm just kind of freelancing it and just learning as i go but uh-huh. uh that right there compared to how i hunt now and and kind of how i go about doing things it just makes me laugh when i look back at it uh-huh. I mean, I, what are some of the, some of the biggest mistakes you think you made 
right off the bat there. Just thinking turkeys won't live in a place like that. Yeah. You know, seeing something that's super steep and rocky, and I'm not used to hunting that. I'm from middle Georgia, and, you know. Middle Georgia. Or central Georgia, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> either, either way, the central part of the state. Uh, Pretty damn flat. Yeah, it? yeah. I mean, you're not encountering very many hills there. Yeah. I mean, you get a, a, a somewhat of a swamp bottom or something, there may be a little fall-off shelf, you know, five or six foot that gives you a little roll, but there's not a whole lot of mm-hmm. terrain that you're getting to work with there. But you do have much thicker woods generally, and you've got edges and stuff like that you can use. And, you know, you can still make plays on turkeys pretty good, but you don't have the mountains that you can use in Alabama or, you know, anywhere up and down the Appalachian Trail and mm-hmm. uh, out west and all such as that. But uh, that uh, that that turkey hunt in Alabama, <laughs> it – it it taught me not to underestimate where they'll go yeah. or just don't think they won't be there. I mean, I saw some super rugged stuff that I actually found turkeys in. And, you know, to this day, I still find turkeys in similar terrains. Not every time. I mean, they're not guaranteed to be there. But a lot of places like that that 10 years ago, I would have never thought a turkey would live there. They're there. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty neat to see the different types of terrain they will take to and thrive in really oh yeah uh, they, they thrive in those mountains like that yeah i always find it interesting that, like if you start with water pretty much anywhere in the country you're you're in the you're in the game if you got yep. water if you got a if you got a big creek or a river close by you know one thing i've noticed out west and i mean that i guess i say that it it, it varies out west but it does seem like in the western part of uh the country it's not as centered around like a big river i mean you can you can start there and kind of go up from there but it seems like eastern country it's like you want to be around a creek like a main creek i agree and i think those turkeys out west are just so nomadic i mean they they know where the water is Mm -hmm. and in a lot of these canyons and things like that you get in out west you'll find little springs or you know they'll call them bubblers or Mm -hmm. whatever and and there may be, it may be real small, but all it is is a little pool of water somewhere, and you you walk up on it and find it, and those turkeys know it's there, and other other critters know it's there too. So. Yeah, and and it, like water holes, even like what you would hunt, you know, maybe for deer, or elk, or pronghorn, even out out west, end up being just as good of a a water source as a main creek, and it's it's weird because you can be looking at, you know, this big section of hills out west, and you know, there's not really a main river for maybe even a couple miles, but, you know, that little bit of water is just enough. But uh-huh. but when you're in the east, it seems like to start around water is, is definitely, I mean, always got to have water, obviously. Oh, yeah. But it seems to me like back east, turkeys just don't move around as much. I mean, you get turkeys out west. I don't even know what the amount of acreage is they can use on a daily basis, yeah. but it's large compared to what turkeys I'm used to hunting back home. And they, they'll stay in the same 50-acre block yeah. for yeah. weeks yeah, yeah. and use up all the resources they want in there. And then they may, you know, start venturing somewhere else. But if they're happy right there, yeah. they'll, they'll stay right there I think the whole it's time. A, they almost have to out west yeah. just because the habitat that they all need is not as in close right. proximity as yeah. it is out. It seems like, but there's probably a variety of different reasons. But at the same time, we've been talking about here – in wisconsin yeah 
it's like broken yeah. habitat. These it's, birds will move. They'll move a lot. Yeah, yeah they're, they're more they're more nomadic than most of the yeah. easterns I've hunted. Get, I will say that. You get into some of this real open crop country. It's like they got they have to move three quarters of a mile or a mile to the next woodlot if they're going to make yep. a move. But they'll do it pretty quick. Oh you know, yeah, they'll, they'll make a dash across the, a couple big fields and. As long as there's fence lines and stuff like that that kind of lead them to it, it seems like they'll they got no problem working along something like that middle of the day. So, what do you think? Like, tell I guess tell some stories of some things that you've learned over over the season because I'm I've been listening to you tell them for the last four days and there's always there's always so <laughs> many um there's just so many things I feel like like within the fine details of a hunt that you can take away. Like I I guess I guess I could start with like a real quick version of, of a story that we have from Mississippi. Like very first, like strong mistake I remember happening for, for Jake and I this season and Ted was we'd heard these turkeys. We'd made this move around them, got down the Creek bottom with them. And we knew we were getting close and we kind of pushed it to where we could get to that final spot. And we pushed it all the way to where we really couldn't get much closer, if any. And we kind of just, didn't take the setup serious enough and we didn't have enough good cover we had shadow but then you know that moves and next thing you know the sun's on us and you know ted was kind of off to the side of the tree and he didn't have any front cover or back cover and eventually the turkeys came in i think they caught the one caught us sitting there and was kind of nervous already looking at us and then jake jake made some noise trying to scratch to sound like a turkey which is always a good thing but in that situation i think that turkey is already on edge and you know that was enough to like to 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 that's how we got them to come in originally was that we we were calling at them some obviously but they wouldn't answer but then we'd scratch and they'd gobble and but we hadn't scratched in probably 30 minutes mm -hmm. or so and that turkey jumped up on a log and strutted, and I, I, I was on the back side of the tree, and I heard him spit, but I didn't know that they were within sight, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was just like, I'll, I'll give him a little scratch, but he was he could already kind of make um, them out, and then, like, we hadn't scratched him forever, and all of a sudden I start scratching, and, like, you can see in the footage, he just gets kind of nervous, like, ah, I should see something. You know, they're probably 50 yards Yeah, at they were point. 50, and they were, and they were quartering to us. Like, it was to a point where it's like, okay, they're going to go behind that big tree, and when they pop out, they're going to be, like, 40 and in probably and the hen made it through the first time made it through the second time said what's that sitting against that tree <laughs> that old looker and then whoosh, and then he just said no nah. because they got on the back back side of that tree and it's like okay if they come out like i'm serious like i'm safety off now like this is this i'm gonna if i get an open shot i'm gonna shoot them when they get on the other side of that tree and they got both got behind the tree and then didn't see him and i'm like we don't like it yeah and then next we saw him was about 80 yards walking away and it's like it's one of those things like you know you make that mistake and and and, and really to me the mistake like at first it was like oh jake you know i just scratched and it was i never was jake's fault what really the fault was was i think ted and i just got sloppy in the setup thinking that Oh, we had time. We had the shadow, but you can't trust the shadow completely. And like we should, we ju we should have just taken the setup more serious. And that was like a quick reminder of like, hey, it's turkey season. Like, let's tighten up, you know. <laughs> and I and I think, I think that throughout the season, there's just there's just um, tons of examples like that where you learn those things or you get those little reminders. Is there anything that comes to mind like? 
for you that like a mistake or anything that you're like oh man oh yeah what you just talked about taking the setup seriously i was in montana this year and when i got there (laughs) i don't know how much rain that portion of montana sees every year but i probably saw 50 percent of it that night i mean it absolutely flooded the entire night and it was cold too so i wake up the next morning and I, I go to looking around for some turkeys and it's pretty nasty weather still so i was in the truck just driving real slow down some of these gravel roads looking in openings you know even on private land just to see if i see turkeys in the area then i can mm-hmm. kind of put two and two together that there may be some over on some public pieces and whatnot and uh i find some turkeys on a public piece and i actually w- was running low on gas and in that part of the part of the part of the world there's just not gas anywhere near so instead of getting too low i actually made the decision to go all the way to a gas station and make sure i was full and come all the way back and by the time i did the weather had gotten better as far as like the sun had popped out but the wind was still gusting over 50 miles an hour i mean it was just ridiculous wind and i pulled up to to a spot where i could walk into and wasn't really taking anything seriously at all and I was walking, and I was yelping on, on my slate a good bit. And, I mean, it, it was ringing down through some of those cottonwood bottoms, but I just didn't have a whole lot of faith that I was going to strike any kind of turkey in that kind of wind. And I just plopped down somewhere, sitting there with no face mask on. I just ripped a super loud yelp, though. I mean, it, it's as loud as I possibly could. Sat down and was, you know, contemplating taking a nap and all this and that. Gun laying on the ground beside me. And I look up. I hadn't been sitting down I mean, two minutes, not even situated. I look up, and here comes a strutter down the hill, and I'm like, oh, boy, <laughs> that escalated quick. You better get ready now. And I managed to get my face mask up, but I, I, it didn't matter what I did. I knew as soon as I saw him, I said, boy, you screwed this one up because I sat down in a terrible – I didn't sit down in a place to kill a turkey. Yeah. I sat down in a place to look at turkeys yeah. or just to, just to sit, basically. That was not a set-up spot. And – he did exactly what you would expect any turkey to do. I mean, I don't care what people say about these, quote, easy Miriams. Yeah, uh, he no. didn't just walk in there and just ask me to kill him. I mean, he he stayed out there about 80 or 100 yards, and he looked, and he strutted, and he started gobbling, and he strutted some more, and then he just started skirting around me and did, a, did that whole loop around me. And had I been set up 30 yards behind me where I needed to be, yep. money yep. all day long. That would have been perfect. Uh and I, I eventually did let the turkey drift off, and he fired up, and he never quit gobbling. But obviously, in that kind of wind, you got to keep fairly close to him just to hear him, or at least have him in the open where you can see him. And I was able to get around and get in front of him, and apparently, amidst his gobbling, he gobbled up two other birds, and they all three got together and ended up coming in, and I killed a turkey. So, uh, but that that right there was a big lesson. I got away with it in the end. Mm-hmm. but I would have gotten away with it a lot quicker oh, yeah. if, if I had made a better setup. Mm-hmm. And that right there, just take the setup seriously because you never know what's going to happen. If you're, And it's like if you're going to sit down, just always sit down in a spot. And I mean, I'm, I've made, I make the mistake all the time. Just always sit down in a spot that you can get away with it, where yeah. at the very least, even if you're sitting there with gloves off, face mask down, gun, Asleep. gun yeah. unloaded – that all of a sudden, if you look up and there's a turkey, you know, coming in at 50 yards, you still have a fighting chance yeah. where you got still got that cover. And like the one thing that I've been saying a lot this season, because because I think it's an easy way to communicate what I'm looking for in a setup, at least, is 
if I can look down through the woods and I can see the base of the tree, like if I can see the trunk meet the ground, not good enough. No. Yep. It can work if you know one's gobbling down the pipe and you can square up to the tree, you put your back smack in the middle of the tree to where if it's head on, there's no like shoulders sticking out from behind the tree, you know? But if you, if you are surprised by a turkey in any way or he comes off to the side and you're sticking off that tree and he can see the base of the tree, you're going to look like something's popped off. Like, it's just unnatural, yeah. right? Especially when there's a bunch of uniform trees like that. So it's like if you're in that open timber where you can look down through there and you can see a 100 trees that you can see the, the, the trunk meet the ground, it's like then you got to look for something a little extra, like a deadfall, like a... Uh, a big rock or something up against a tree, something that just kind of breaks, some sword, yeah, yeah, something that breaks it up. And in this example that I just used from the Mississippi hunt, as soon as the turkeys went away, we looked over like twenty yards. It's like, dude, like that, you can't see the base of that tree at all. We would have sat in there and just been completely fine. We could have not even known they were coming, and and we would have been, been all fine. Right. And I and I, you know I think too, had it just been one guy sitting there against the tree, squared up to those turkeys, I think it might have worked, but. It's still, you know, why not just put that little extra effort into making sure. Yep. I'm a big believer in play it safe when you've got the opportunity to, especially like in a, in a moving situation. Like when I'm moving on anything in the woods, I'm like, okay, yeah, I could cut through there, but why not walk 10 more yards down the hill? I know I'm going to be good then, so let's just do that. Then you don't have to question if you get up there and call and he doesn't gobble or you get up there and he's gone. It's like, did he see us or did he move off or did he, you know. What happened, yeah. You don't have to ask yourself that question. You're like, I know I'm good. Yep. So same thing with the setup, I guess. In in your Montana, you got to tell the story now, too, about the about the wind blowing you off the road and all that. Yeah, so I, I kind of left out that morning when I woke up in Montana. It didn't look like I was going to be doing much turkey hunting. Uh, the night before, I rode into one of the worst storms I have ever been in in a vehicle in my life, and I am riding up this dirt road. Or it was gravel, and then it turned into no gravel, and the wind and rain were blowing sideways to the point where I should have pulled over a couple of miles ago and just slept right there in the truck and said, you know, don't go any further. You're on good ground right here. But when I hit that dirt, I was going up a little grade, and it got kind of slick. And as soon as my tires lost a little traction, the wind just continued. I mean, it, it took my truck and just that mud was so slick, you almost couldn't stand up on it. And it blew me straight sideways in the dirt road, and I just lost traction on all four tires, even in four-wheel drive. I was not, not grabbing anything, and I just said, well, shut it off. Don't bog it down because you're out here boy i mean way out here <laughs> and i mean i hadn't seen anybody that was in the middle of the night too that i was getting pulled up there and i hadn't seen anybody for quite some time and did not see anybody the rest of the time i was out around that area i mean for miles there was nobody uh, my only hope would have been that the keys were in that motor grader a couple of miles up the road because <laughs> there was there was no houses or anything for uh -huh. a long way uh I, I kind of figured, though, with the wind blowing the way it was, that if it would quit raining, which it was supposed to the next morning, I figured, you know, that would give me enough time, or it, it would blow that crust on top of the ground dry enough eventually. And, and it did after a few hours of just steady wind blowing it. It dried it out enough to where when I got in the truck, I hit the gas pretty good, and, and it got me up out of there. And I did not go anywhere near there again. <laughs> but that was that was not the way i expected montana to start and it definitely didn't didn't go how i figured it was going to when i woke up that morning i was like well 
You may get to turkey hunt Montana at some point, but probably not today because we're going to be looking for help, it looks like. <laughs> yeah. So it turned out to be pretty pretty good. Uh, then then drove 10 hours all the way to Idaho and woke up the next morning and my starter was out. Yeah, that, that's that's a good story, too. you got to tell that one. Uh, tell them I, about the old, old boys you met there. Yeah, I, I woke up in Idaho and you know packed up all my stuff and got got my tent in my truck and you know tail red load up and we hop in the truck and i go to start her up and click and i'm thinking well that's not good maybe we'll you know maybe that really wasn't what i heard so i tried again click and nothing so i'm sitting there thinking all right well we're in trouble now no service way out of town just remote area and about 20 or 30 minutes later just it just meant to be this truck comes pulling up in there and they put it in reverse like they were going to get out of there when they saw my truck and i went to wave and like oh no no don't leave don't leave <laughs> and they they pulled on up in there and it was two old guys i say old guys older guys i wouldn't call them old as dirt yet they're probably <laughs> probably pushing 70 and both of them retired from the military and uh one of them was in the air force and one of them was in the navy and they pulled up and they had a dog in their truck too they were bringing it there was a creek pretty close to where i'd slept that night and they were bringing the dog to come down there and run by that creek and play around and so they got out and after after i asked them if they had any jumper cables he told me he had a jump box and we got out and you know put the jump box on my battery and went the jumper off and nothing so these two guys are pretty i mean they, they like to analyze the situation and, and figure out their problem solvers for sure and they're <laughs> come to find out they're both master engineers so they were like well it's either you relay or it's your starter which i kind of figured if it wasn't the battery that it could be the starter i'm no mechanic but you know starter solenoid something like that was probably that's what i was hoping at least i was hoping we didn't have any kind of wire issues going on because that could have been who knows how long trying to run down a wire but anyway they offered to take me to town you know go to their houses get some more i had some i keep some tools with me on the road to change tires and plug tires and you know just little stuff but i didn't have everything i needed to be able to get to where that starter was up underneath the truck and we went to their house and looked up some schematics of relays and all in the, the electronic configuration just to make sure that uh we had a, an idea of what it could be because we i bought the relays that it could be and the starter because the relays are like two bucks yeah. so you know if it was one of them that'd be the cheap fix but i had the starter just in case and sure enough it ended up being the starter and they they let me use their tools drove me all around town helped me pick up the parts took me back out there made sure i had it on and the truck started up before they left and they had already told me during the whole process they were like well if you end up having to get a get a wrecker out there to pick it up and go to a shop they were like i'd take it to this shop right here they're fair and they're good you know good they do good work and you're welcome to stay with us until you get <laughs> you know on the road so they're both married to sisters so they've been best friends uh -huh. for quite a long time and uh yeah they they had nothing to do that day either so i ran into the perfect guy yeah, I mean, they, were, they were looking for something to get into and uh -huh. i just happened to be right there <laughs> Uh, and they, the one gave you a pretty cool yeah yeah so uh mr merrick he uh he, he was in the navy and he used to sail on on a certain ship and that ship they gave him some coins when uh he got out of the military and it's you know that ship that he used to sail on and it was uh 
ocean vessel 66 of some sort but they called it route 66 is what all the, the guys on the boat called it and so he gave me one of those coins with the boat on it says route 66 so it's bigger yep. than a 50 cent piece yeah, I guess. it's, oh, it's yeah. a big coin it's super cool yeah, it's, it's like it's like a medal almost yeah. it's yeah. like the size of a medal i would say i thought that was pretty neat i told him i'd keep that in my turkey vest as long as i was turkey hunting so <laughs> it goes, you it sent goes him a picture of your gobbler with it the yep. other day that's that's the coolest one of the coolest things there's a lot of cool things about traveling around to hunt but there's just the people you meet i mean you're one of them you know it's like yeah. that's the reason we're all here sitting here because yeah, we ran into each other in florida and then we were talking about i mean there's a lot of negatives to social media but the one thing that I like about it the most is it can bring, you know, just, I mean, people that enjoy the same things I do together yep. pretty easily. It's like, who knows if we'd ever run into you again, you know, if, if, if we didn't get your name or whatever. And That's right. To start, start following each other or whatever it is on social media. And then I shot you a message a, a week or so ago and yeah, come on was- up. That was the funniest part is as I'm sitting out, I don't remember if I was in Oregon or where I think I was in, I was either in Idaho or Oregon. Because I remember my dad was coming in in the next couple of days, and you asked if I had plans of coming to Wisconsin. And when I hunted Iowa earlier in the year, I was kicking myself because I was sitting there thinking, you could have gone right across, you know, pretty short drive, three, four, five hours at the most, and been in Wisconsin where you, somewhere where you can hunt. Yeah. And instead, I didn't didn't really get my ducks in a row, didn't even think about Wisconsin when I was thinking about the spring and just didn't get a tag. And I'm never right here this late in the year normally mm-hmm. i'm either normally further up in the northeast mm-hmm. you know all the way through the 31st somewhere in those little states but uh the the wisconsin thing made some sense this year and i made sure they had some tags and that, <laughs> they did and uh it couldn't have worked out any better i'm so glad it worked by out golly it's decent here <laughs> yeah yeah no, well <laughs> at, at least for right now that this past week the turkeys have been acting pretty good i mean oh, we, yeah. we found plenty that wanted to play and there's still plenty out there that do want to want to play some more i think you got any good stories about your dad they just boat you know kind of backing your dad up with the bow i'd surely you got some <laughs> some situations you've got yourself into that end up being pretty funny fun stories uh well i remember and i this one doesn't involve me having to back him up at all but probably one of the one of my favorite hunts with him was right there beside the house uh back home we had some timber get cut there a few years back and there was a turkey that was roosting around that clear cut and uh-huh. we hunted that turkey and hunted that turkey and i mean i hunted him with a shotgun some <laughs> i mean I, I was we, we were we were trying to get this turkey in the freezer uh-huh. or in the grease one uh-huh. or two and uh we hunted him and hunted him and it, it got on up into may and we were still hunting this turkey and i mean he was one of them type of turkeys that he'd gobble any time of the day you could walk out there and hit a crow call or owl or even yelp or whatever i mean 2 p.m <sighs> he'd hammer right on back every time and he'd gobble his full head off in the morning times. i mean a couple hundred i know they say you always overestimate how many gobbles you hear but this this thing was not afraid to gobble <laughs> at all <laughs> he'd answer everything you did but he just wouldn't really i mean always had other turkeys with him and they yep. just never ended up in front of us and uh, with him being a bow hunter, I mean, we've done it all kinds of ways. We've got a little piece of burlap that, you know, we can hang in some limbs and it's got a hole cut through it that he can shoot through. And I mean, we've, we've used that over the years a good bit. And 
Uh, I mean, we've done it some with no blind and, and all that, and that's the way we were pretty much rolling with this turkey was no blind and no decoys. And, and one morning we did actually put a Jake decoy out, and he saw that Jake decoy and turned around. And, I mean, he, without the decoy, we would have killed the turkey that morning. And <laughs> he came around the corner and saw that Jake decoy and just about came out of his skin, and he turned around and... Uh, he didn't shut up for long, but that shut him up right there for about 30 or 40 minutes. And next time he finally gobbled, he was el- he was elsewhere. And, uh, you know, we kind of boogered his routine right there because he was coming. I mean, we, we were where he wanted to be. And so from then on, we that was fairly early on in it until we probably hunted him six or eight times before we put the decoy out there. And, and he didn't like that. So from then on, we knew no decoys with him. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's not wanting to see that at all. And we ended up killing him it was probably may the 8th or 9th or it could have even been maybe yeah the, I mean, it was around the last week of the season at least and one morning we got out in the center of that clear cut and i mean it's pretty clean out there there's just a couple of little bushes here and a bush there so once the sun gets up you start getting lit i mean you gotta you gotta make that happen early if it's gonna happen while you still got a little bit of shade and he hit the ground out there, and as usual, he was just burning it up. I mean, just gobbling at everything. And we could hear he had some hens down there. And the way that this clear cut was, there was a, a little strip out in it that, uh, you know, we had planted in some, some, some food plot. And it was kind of in the shape of an L, uh, more of a cross food plot. But the way the turkey was going to come would put him coming down an L shape. And, mm-hmm. uh, I put my dad right there at the center of the, the intersection pretty much, and I went 70 or 80 yards down that L from him, and I was just steady yelping, and he was gobbling, gobbling, gobbling. And finally, when I could tell he broke and he was coming, I could see my dad over in – he was in some wax myrtle bushes that got left out in that clear cut, and I could see him over there, and I, I saw him draw the bow. I never saw the turkey because he actually did not come all the way to the intersection and up the L. He kind of cut the corner <laughs> and came across and he shot him and i heard the arrow hit and i heard the turkey start flopping and i mean it was that was just a satisfying one after we <laughs> hunted that turkey so hard and i mean he beat us so many times but he was a fun turkey to hunt too yeah. it was almost kind of hated one of those you hated to kill because if you just wanted to hear a turkey gobble you could go you could go, could, you could go do anything i mean honk the horn i bet and that turkey would I gobble got, i got a question though i i'm a firm believer that there's the turkey that gobbles too much and you run into them a fair amount <laughs> mm-hmm. in a season. And honestly, you can waste a bunch of time hunting the got turkey that gobbles too much. Do you have any theory on that? Because, I, I mean, I, over the years, I've got – I guess I've built this theory that it's like there's two there's two different types of them, too. Yeah. There's the one that gobbles too much, and he's – and he's Ready. Uh, he's Yeah, he's going to come in, but, but he's – He's going to make it too long. He's making a <laughs> – he's making a conscious decision – of when to sound that gobble off like he's responding to something yeah or no no i'm sorry i'm sorry uh, he he doesn't make a conscious decision and that's the one you want where crow flies over pow he has to yeah. gobble at it hen yelps pow he has to gobble at it but the weirdo that gobbles when he wants to yep like that's a, that's one that like he, oh, he's yeah. got a survival tactic there where Something happened to him, and I, that's what I also think. It's like something <laughs> happened to him that like has made him be that way. Where he got an education somewhere. Yeah, yeah. crow flies over. He doesn't gobble. Thirty seconds later, he decides <sighs> to do it on his own. That's when you're like, okay, this guy's being kind of weird. And contemplates whether or not he wants to give away his location or not. Yeah, and like. I've just hunted enough turkeys that gobble in one place or gobble and move 
that it's like, man, I shouldn't even call to this turkey. Yeah. And and I think sometimes those turkeys that gobble too much are better off at just like trying to get in front of them or um, trying to just basically catch them by surprise, stalk them, whatever it may be. But a good example is one that I hunted in Maryland with um, Keith. 2020 he'd gobble the most he was not the turkey we ended up killing in this area and we hunted this area pretty much every day because there was always turkeys in it he wasn't gobbling the most we actually ended up killing the one that had the hens and would gobble a little bit on the roost and then kind of shut up but we chased this turkey two maybe three days the one that gobbled too much (laughs) and there was multiple times we like literally set up just out of sight of this thing and then i would decide to make the call and hit the call and he would always go quiet i mean he'd be blowing it up gobbling every 20 seconds or just on his own on his own (laughs) and then as soon as we'd call i mean as soon as we'd call nothing and then if he did again, he'd be like way up and over. You know, he made a big, big move. Oh, yeah. One of them. And, and you know, I, I think that that's a turkey that gobbles too much. And you can make that you can make that as, assessment as you're moving in on one. It's like, should I even be calling to this turkey? And I'll, I'll tell you, more times than not, when I decide, it's the turkey hunter mentality, though. It's like, man, I got to call. <laughs> I've got to call. And, like... I would say pretty much every time I get that gut feeling that I shouldn't call, I still go ahead and call, and I shouldn't have called. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like I should have just left it alone and just snuck in on him because I knew better. What's your theory on that, both you guys? Because, I, like, I believe it to be true. Yeah, no, there's some turkeys you just don't yelp at. Yeah. For sure. And I, I killed one in Tennessee this year that I'd never made a call to. And when I saw the turkeys originally – it, it was a pretty quick decision in my mind like just go ahead and take the call out of your mouth and put it up because you don't need to say a word to these turkeys mm-hmm. and i sat there and watched them for a while and kind of figured out which general direction they were headed and, and just made a guess as to where i needed to be based on the, the terrain funneling them through there and they ended up there but if i would have yelped at those turkeys i feel for sure that they would have gone somewhere else mm-hmm. and i you know i think it in that scenario it came directly from hunting pressure being around i think most of the time it does yeah yeah Yeah, they've had a bad experience with the yelp and their buddy getting blown away or or them you know or or them coming in (laughs) i feel like some areas where there's just a lot of predators also like hunted some wolf stuff around here and just like where there's a lot a lot of wolves and like i know that there's not a lot of pressure where the like the, and you know like well it's, a, it's that area that you you hunted when you first got here you know there's a lot of, of birds i mean there's just sign right in the roads but i mean and maybe it was just when i was there maybe it's just my calling but there's been turkeys that you know you see them you see them right in the in the road and then you go try to set up on them or and you, you just can't make them gobble but well i know that i didn't see any wolf sign when i was there but i would believe they're there i mean it looked like a good place to see a wolf <laughs> it looked like a good spot really looked like good predator habitat period uh-huh. uh but there was also plenty of turkeys around the area oh, yeah. i mean i i was surprised when i saw the way that the woods looked there compared to here and you know it's just it's interesting to see the different habitat and I, I mean i know what it looks like not far from here and you know places in minnesota that i've hunted before and it's mm-hmm. just 
crazy difference, and I'm not that awful far from any of it in the big scheme of things. I mean, you're under 500 miles to all of it. And yeah. It's it's crazy looking. I uh, I think that Merriam's also have a tendency to do to do a lot of that weird like gobble a bunch and then go quiet or you know gobble a bunch take <laughs> off running the other way and it's like I, I, yeah Bruce why don't you elaborate on that just <laughs> just like your easy turkey uh, thing in general because uh, I, mean, I mean you've killed we don't have to say how many but you've killed turkeys in more states than you haven't. So you've been around, you've seen a lot, like basically all regions of the country, but you've you've had fits and you know like your quote unquote easy states, <laughs> but but then you've gone to your quote unquote hard states where you can't kill a turkey and you've killed them the first day. So it's, yeah, it's, I it's, think, I mean, it's something that I definitely understand, but I think it's something that's worth talking about and it's funny to talk about, just like how everybody's situation and like their perspective, first, perspective. Yeah. Perspe- perspectives yeah. different. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I think it has a lot to do with timing in general. Yep. And I will say that on a timing end this year, I feel like I was, for the most part, off. Like, I, I did manage to find some success and squeak one out just by sheer a, luck. It was a tough spring to try to time out, though. It was yeah. unseasonably cold most places we were. Yeah, and just the rain followed me. I know at one point, for 10 states in a row, I got rained on while I was there. And, I mean, it's just tough to show up to that especially in a place like i show up in arkansas and it's flooding yeah and that was i mean the whole first day i was there it was flooding and just by sheer luck i wake up the second day and i'm close to a turkey and it took a long time that was one of those just one of those turkeys that gobbled too much yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was one of them and in he, a good way it, well it started out in a bad way and then it flipped over to you know he finally he, he lost me just all that sound reverb and down through those mountains i just miscoursed him and went the wrong direction for like oh man i bet i walked the wrong damn way for an hour <laughs> <laughs> and just was like well i mean he was gobbling good so i just got to catch up to him and Finally, I was like, well, I mean, I, he just must have shut up. And as I'm going back the other way, I get, you know, back to where I made the wrong turn. And he's gobbling back up there towards the truck. And I'm like, no way. I mean, I've been on like a three and a half or four mile loop this morning. And he's up here by the truck. And it's, you know, 11.15 in the morning, 11.30. And I started easing up there to the truck. And sure enough, I think the hen may have been standing on my tailgate. I mean, she was all over the truck. I read had to be having a fit inside the truck there uh-huh. looking at her, but I ended up killing that turkey at like 11.50 in the morning inside of the pickup truck in Arkansas. Uh-huh. And that was the first good, I mean, that was the one good weather day I had to hunt there. The the, the first good weather day I woke up to, and I mean, it, it worked out. And then I go to a place like Tennessee, for example, has taken me three years to put my hands on a Tennessee turkey, and I couldn't even yelp at him. <laughs> he was one of them quiet turkeys. Yeah. So Tennessee was not the super easy, you know, Tennessee gobbler that I had read that I could possibly find. Mm-hmm. And the Arkansas gobbler wasn't necessarily the big bad Arkansas gobbler that yeah. I thought was going to be three, four seasons and you yeah. know taking me to find. But then you can go back down there for four more years. That's and right. Not, and you know that. That's right. But it's just everybody's yeah. experience, you know. But if, if you were just to go to, Ar- like, say Arkansas was your first state, you want everyone on a state you ran in that situation, be like, Arkansas is the no, e- no easy, yeah. easiest state I've ever hunted, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, there's definitely been some easy ones or quote-unquote. And, and when I say easy ones, ter- states that I have just found 
lots of turkeys in and i'm like how can i not get one of these to missouri <laughs> mm-hmm. now i have pulled the trigger the last two years in a row in missouri i missed a gobbler both years in that state and <laughs> i mean they were not terrible shots or anything like that they weren't far shots uh just for some reason whiffed him and I mean, i've been all over turkeys in missouri and just cannot seem when i get that one chance i don't i don't get another one for some reason i mean i just don't I can't seem to, I don't know if I just get in a funk or, you know, I'm just not confident in it or what, but I need that first one to get to go well in Missouri next time I go there. Cause if not, <laughs> I know, I know what it could be. Uh, I think, I think it's just so funny. Like no matter where you go, everybody wants to have the hardest Turkey. <laughs> oh man. You come down here and you like, you know, this, this is the hardest place you're ever going to hunt. And it's like, you say that people say that there, and then you go to another place, and they say that to that the other place, and the other place, and the other place. The next thing you know, it's just like, well, is everywhere the hardest place in the country to hunt a turkey? <laughs> it's like what I think it is, and like this has been my new my new saying as of late is, if you can kill a turkey, you can kill a turkey. Yep, <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. where where it is, what I mean, and and obviously you know your perspective is going to change based off of weather based off of hunting pressure based off of number of turkeys in a particular season because i can guarantee you if you would have hunted in ohio for example a state that i've hunted the most in my life if you would have hunted it in 2018 when there was a superb hatch the uh uh the um Oh, cicada hatch had happened mm-hmm. two years prior. So, like, turkeys exploded. Yep. The amount of two-year-olds in 2018 was through the roof. And if you look at the kill, you know, the overall harvest number in 2018, it's, like, way higher than the, the years surrounding it. If you would have hunted Ohio in 2018 only, you'd be like, well, this is, like, the Best greatest <laughs> place to hunt, in the, in, but then this year it's like the, the the numbers were way down. They've even changed the bag limit to one turkey. Yep. So it's it's not like it's not like it is in other years, and that's gonna happen everywhere. Not just Ohio, not just Georgia, not just Maine. It's gonna happen in every state, and it's just like uh, we were out west and hunting Merriams in Colorado, and I think the three of us all together certainly had a. A challenging time in Colorado, and then yeah. I had a guy. Real funny. The first day I was there, I was it was just Grant and I, and this is hunting in Colorado this season. A guy from Florida told me that if you can kill a turkey in Colorado, then you've got you can kill a turkey anywhere. That's a guy from Florida, and I've had guys in Florida tell me that if you can kill a turkey in Florida, that you kill it. So it's like again, at the end of the day, if you can kill a turkey anywhere in the country, you can kill a turkey anywhere, anywhere. in the country. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it all just boils down to timing and being in the right place at the right For time. Sure. And, you know, you got to be persistent. out there with them. Yeah, stay yep. persistent and keep after them. And, you know, I, another thing that over the years that I've just – and my dad said it my whole life. And, I, you know, I kind of would be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And But at the end of the day, he's right. If you got good weather, things are going to happen more frequently oh, yeah. than when, when they're not. I mean, one that comes to mind to me – and I, and I have a tendency to do this. I'd say a lot of people do. I like to get into a spot, especially in public land, where I, where I find an area or a section where it's like there's not a lot of hunters. And I'm not bumping into people left and right. And I was in there. We had spent, 
I think three different mornings in this area that was really just a long walk in Minnesota. And we were going up and over hills and back down through field. You know, we were just getting going through it all to get back to these yep. couple ridges that were just hard to access. And we were back in there, and every morning we were hearing a, a you know a turkey, sometimes two, but it was like I think at that I think the first two days or yeah I think it was the first two days we heard you know a bird or two. My brother missed one back in there. Um, you didn't talk about a whiff. That was hilarious. <laughs> turkey starts coming in. It's just like so perfect. My brother, my brother had not turkey hunted much in the last couple of years prior. And this bird steps out and he's just like, it's one of these deals. I'm right down the gun barrel. And it's like, it was one of the deals where it was like, if you would have shot him right away, it would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. But he hesitated for a second. The turkey started to like get going right yep. as he was pulling the trigger and just right behind him. And, oh man, he was. He was flustered at that, but it, but it was hilarious. And anyway, weather was eh, kind of rainy, humid, foggy. First two mornings, and then the, the third morning, you could just tell something was different. There was just more birds chirping. Everything was dry on the ground. And I bet I'm not kidding. You, I bet we heard six or seven turkeys got yeah. on that morning. Same area that we'd been. Same starting at the same spot. It's like, oh, they really are in here. Yeah, yeah. And that and I think that can change perspective too, you know, where it's like if if you're just hunting slightly, I mean slightly different weather, your perspective can change in a place real quick. I agree. Maryland was one for me that I think Maryland's probably got better hunting action than what I believe it does, but it's just like we just never really had good weather when we were there for for like, I think we hunted Maryland eight days in 2020 before really? we ended up killing a turkey. We heard we heard turkeys most days, but it was like a lot of days we'd wake up and the high would be like mid 40s and it'd be rain and windy, mm. snowing. Yeah, that's cold. And that can change your perspective, you yeah. know. It's, it's, you killed one way up there in Maryland, huh? I did. Yeah, that was, and I only that, that was more than one for me. I left uh, left West Virginia and went to maryland and i got there and you know just a random spot i woke up and i heard a lot of turkeys to start with that morning but uh they were not necessarily all on public and i was kind of trying to get a bead on which one seemed like the best one to go to and, and try and finally a turkey was gobbling a lot closer to public or on public it was hard to tell from that distance but I moved in and got up there with the turkey, and that was like a 200-flight <laughs> incline. I mean, it, it was a serious climb up there to where he was. And and he didn't start that high, but he was heading that away. And I got up there and got him called up the first time, and I don't really know why I didn't pull the trigger on that turkey. There was an oak tree out there that was just massive, and he came up from behind it. And when he came out from behind it, he was probably 25 yards but he was just moving hard right to left at that point. He came up straight behind it and then just took a turn and was just right to left. And I didn't want to miss him. And, you know, there was trees in there that it wasn't super dense or anything, but just enough to where when a turkey's doing that old head bob at 20 yards, 22 yards, somewhere in there, because he was getting slightly closer too. I mean, it just, you don't want to miss him. So I was waiting on him to stop. And instead of stopping him, he just, saw me is what i'm guessing he saw me sitting there eventually and he did not put and move off he just 
pushed off and was gone flew off that mountain just used that slope and just i mean so <laughs> fast that it's not even fun i didn't even have time to think about i had the gun shouldered and already or and i didn't even have time to think about trying to shoot the turkey as he was leaving i mean it just happened so quick i was like well there that was a fun hike now you just mess that up well the turkey hit the ground down there and gobbled immediately in the <laughs> bottom so called him back up to the same area i moved down the ridge about 600 yards and called him back up and turkey did the exact same thing except this time he got out there about 35 yards and walked into the first gap and when he walked through the gap he double took he stuck his head back through it and that eyeball got wide and he took off flying he saw me i don't know how i mean i'm not sitting in bare wide open stuff i mean (laughs) This turkey had been fooled with, I'm guessing, or he was just one of those super weird, just, I don't know if a limb fell in the middle of the night and hit him in the head. I don't know what, I don't know what he's got going on, but uh, he flew again, and he flew over to this mountain, and I mean like a long way from me, and he hit the ground and gobbled. And I'm like, this joker, I just, and I'm not chasing him over there. There was more turkeys back the other way. I said, I'll, I'll go to one of them. I'm not going after this thing. Well, the more he, I mean, he really fired back up. And the more he kept gobbling, I was like, well, kind of hard for me to not play with him. So I start yelping again. And he goes quiet this time. And I'd probably been sitting there about 35 or 40 minutes. And I was like, I know that wasn't what I think it was. Sure enough. He gobbled about 10 minutes later, and he was probably 60 yards just over the roll. And I scratched around in the leaves a little bit and just, you know, you know, light, just light, light stuff. And he came right on up in there. But the way he came in, there was a big log down to my right. And it had, like, broken limbs poking down in the ground. So you could see under the log. The log was probably up, you know, belly high, chest high off the ground. And that turkey walked the other side of that log, and I could see his feet, but I never could see his head. And he's plenty in gun range. I mean, he's probably 30 yards or closer walking down the other side of that log. And he started putting, and he got all the way around behind me. And he left and went over the ridge, and he gobbled again on his own about 10 minutes later. So I got up and ran directly away from the turkey calling. And I mean, I was, I say running, I was moving extremely quick, yelping the whole way, and he was gobbling at it. He was turning and coming too. And finally after i moved off really really quickly a couple of hundred yards i stopped and yelped and he answered and i turned around and this time i did run pretty much ran about 100 yards back and sat down and never said another word and he messed up that time (laughs) (laughs) finally he got out there about 35 yards and the first time i saw his head in clear i went ahead and and fried him and that's an experience yeah yeah and you you messed it up in in a in a way that a lot of people would probably quit I didn't know what after it happened the third time I was just like I mean if you kill this turkey cool no but if not this back. is almost kind of fun just sitting here fooling with him because he's I mean he's easy to call back in he doesn't mind coming right back so we'll just we'll just keep fooling with him until either I win or he completely just get loses interest and yeah he, he and I would have said the turkey wasn't a day over two years old but, but then again I could be bad wrong yeah, uh-huh. he was definitely well educated for whatever his age was <laughs> or just extremely just weary. weary yeah I mean he just had that sixth sense mm-hmm. it's, it's so weird how some like sometimes you you can keep fooling them and they're you know, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with those weather days or the timing or whatever whatever it is with, with I think weather and and the timing as far as what stage they are in their in their breeding season and and 
there's some days where, man, you can just straight up mess up the same turkey multiple times and yeah. still get him. Like yep. that, that's pretty weird. It really is. Like oh, yeah. when, when you've got days where you're messing up a turkey and turning around and like making a different move on him and then killing him, like, like, um, one that comes to mind from this season is Hayden and I were in North Carolina and it was the day. You know, it was the day. Like they wait all the day like yeah, that. Yeah, so, so we had killed two turkeys up to this point, but and and the and the the one was another one of those days. We killed one that day. It just were more birds. It had been real, real cold, and, and it was Saturday and Sunday. The first two days of the season were cold, and then Monday was nice, and and um, more birds were gobbling. Like way more birds were gobbling. Great weather. Called it. Called that first turkey in. And then the next one was just one of these deals where we got lucky. One went across the road in front of us, and we roosted him and shot him the next morning. So that was our first two. And then the last day, though, it was like the the day. And we knew this turkey was in the area. We'd Well, we'd heard him, I guess, I don't know, I think it was Thursday. We heard him, and we didn't get him. A storm came in and kind of washed us out. That night we came back and it had cleared up nice and we roosted him. And the next morning we get in there and we, we got up super early. It was our last day and we were only planning on hunting until 1030. That was our personal cutoff because mm-hmm. we, we were flying home for, for Easter. And uh, we got in and um, got up on top of this ridge and we we're like certain he was going to be roosted there. And he ended up being down across the valley. Where we had heard him from the night before, I should note, is was way up the mountain. Like we heard him way down in there and we kinda we kind of assumed he would be on this ridge or down and across. Yep. And he ended up being down and across. Which so be it. You know, not a big deal. Make this move, get up there, woodpecker flies over, making a bunch of noise, boom, he gobbles and it's like, ooh, like right where we need him to be, right where we thought he was. Perfect. Sit down, call. Just got ignorant with it. Just made him gobble a whole bunch. And he comes right up the ridge. And the last time he gobbles, it's like 30 yards right in our face. Straight down the trail we're facing on. It's just a deer trail right at the top of the ridge. Path of least resistance is right down Hayden's gun barrel. Sure enough, what's he do? Starts cutting to the right. Oh, yeah. And he starts getting on Hayden's weak side. My, like, right down, you know, square to my chest on the tree. But Hayden's right. He comes into like 15 yards, and I got a bead. You know, I had a bead on him, but I had the camera. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he sees something, starts putting. I've been meaning to ask this. What does Chris say when when they say he's – does Chris say something? Chris says something funny. He spotted the – I'm sure Chris says something funny. But he said – He spotted the booger. Spotted the booger. Spotted the booger. (laughs) (laughs) So he spotted the booger. And uh, he, I've heard Chris say that no less than a hundred times in the two years that I've known him. <laughs> <laughs> he done spotted the booger. Chris is, is our buddy from Mississippi who's been who who was here earlier this week mm-hmm. with us, and and uh, so this turkey spotted the booger, walks off, and I hear him walk over the ridge and just stop. I can hear his feet in the leaves, and I'm just like, he never left. Like he definitely didn't keep going. So we. We circled to where he originally gobbled from in that setup, about 150 yards down the hill, called nothing. Called more, nothing. Called a little bit different angle, nothing. Sat there for 40 minutes moping about it. That one frustrated me. I don't know why. 
every once in a while, one will just piss me off to no end, and that one <laughs> pissed me off to no end. I was, like, so mad at that. And I think part of it was because we had invested so much time into, you know, we'd heard him the morning prior, we roosted him, we got up super early to get there, well, he wasn't there, we'd made the move, called him right in, it couldn't have been any better, yep. and then boom, he spots us, and yeah, for some reason that one got real under my skin, so Hayden and I kind of just like, we split up and just kind of like sat there, and, <laughs> you know, stewed in it for a minute, and then we regrouped and got back together, and it's like, let's just kind of ease way, our way back up in there. We get up in there, and he goes up ahead of me about 40 yards, and I call, and I'm still like, well, this is over. Like, haven't heard, haven't heard him in a while, and all of a sudden I hear Hayden say, like, or I look up at Hayden, he's coming to me like something's going on, <laughs> and he's just like, dude, he just, I like, you called, and he's like, I heard him take two steps and spit and drum. And I'm, he's like, he's like 40 yards over that hill. I'm like, dang, like, get set up, start calling, sure enough. And he let out a quiet one, mm-hmm. like what we heard yesterday, oh, yeah. real quiet, real like, hey, I'm just right here. And he slowly, you could hear his footsteps the whole time, just slowly worked his way in. And he popped up a little bit more to the right than what we thought. And we were both dead set. And that doesn't... I, I would say generally I feel pretty confident in where they're popping up. And for whatever reason, that one fooled both of us. He must have got on something that went from us being able to hear every step to like he made it yep. 10 yards to our right and didn't know it. He popped up to the point where I was I was zoomed in on the camera where I thought for sure he'd pop up. And I had to move and I barely even got him on the camera. And Hayden shot right as he was taking a step and he shot right behind him. Hayden's pattern on his gun is stupid tight too, and just like, yep. <laughs> just completely whiffed him. Oh, yeah. And he took off flying, and 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 it was like, and and it, that made me actually feel better because I at least felt like there was closure to the situation versus when we just called him in and we or we called him in and we spooked him and and we didn't. At least we had shot and missed, you yeah. know. At least it was like the end of it. But funny deal too. Then <laughs> we we had heard a turkey. It's 9.40. Our personal close for the day is 10, so we can, 10.30 so we can make sure we get this flight caught on time. We run to the truck, drive up the road to where we could just cut distance because we, like, we didn't have time to walk. Go straight to where we thought like this makes sense where he's going to be. Hit a call. He gobbles. And within like two and a half minutes, I'll bet that turkey was standing at 40 yards. Holy smokes. And it's just like that, though. That's the day, man. Like yeah. that's all those days prior. There were days in there that we didn't hear, that we didn't hear turkeys. None. Didn't hear gobbles. Where we'd just walk all over the place all day, never hear a gobble. Yep. And then that day, it's like you can't do anything wrong. The switch flick. You yeah. literally, you literally spook the same turkey that you call in and miss, and then on try number three, <laughs> you it get works one to out. come in. Yeah. yeah, it's like so. To me, to me, it's just like so much of turkey hunting at the end of the day is about. Like we said, the timing, the weather, and just being at the right place in the right time. And, I mean, it can change your perspective on it real quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and no, kind of to circle back to what we were talking about, about, you know, mistakes made and things you learn. The more and more that I set up on turkeys and, and fool with them in different places, it, it's all situational. You know, every single turkey's a little bit different. Every is a little bit different. But, like, day one I had here in Wisconsin before I met up with y'all, you know, I got here real late that night before and just basically pulled in, 
to one of the closer areas I could get to from where I was coming from. And I got up that morning and a turkey was gobbling pretty close to me and uh, got, got in there on the turkey and he clammed up when I called to him. And so I was patient and I did what I should have done and was patient. And after a while, he never gobbled. So instead of going towards where I figured the turkey originally, you know, was when he gobbled, I kind of started making a, a skirt around that area, just in earshot, but hopefully not bumping the turkey i mean looking at a map you could tell there was what looked like some decent woods but i've now also never been here before so mm-hmm. i'm kind of like well i'm just assuming that's decent looking woods judging by what i'm seeing where i'm standing and looking at the map too and i, I went on a little loop around that area and didn't hear anything for a while and it was a slow loop too by the way i wasn't crashing through there I was moving pretty slow, and and I had done a little light yelping as I was moving. I was more listening for hens yelping and drumming and stuff like that, but about an hour and a half, two hours later, he fired back up on his own, and just me being so gobble thirsty, I guess, I I made a quick setup, and I should have thought it through a little more, and I find myself doing that. I mean, especially like you get a turkey that gobbles right on top of you, and you have to set up. Sometimes you do have to set up but oftentimes you don't oftentimes you can just calm down even though it's that's a lot to ask in that situation yeah (laughs) i mean you just got to calm down and think it through and think where can i call this turkey up that he one wants to come and two will come and commit into a ethical range for me to shoot him yeah yeah and he has to get to that point to see where you're calling Calling from. from that's right and you know my the setup wasn't terrible that morning it did end up costing me but you know me just not knowing the whole scenario cost me too so i'm calling and this this one turkey is gobbling and the turkey finally i say finally it didn't really take that long i did a little quiet game with him and then you know he'd gobble and i'd I'd hit him kind of hard and step on him and then he'd go quiet and i i kind of clucked and purred and just light yelps the whole time though i mean i was i was just just sounding like a turkey in there but it was nasty wet i mean standing water i mean reminded me of hunting in florida just about and i'm up here in wisconsin and i was like well this is different so you know i I didn't think the turkeys were even going to come through the stuff and i was kind of hoping in the end that i would catch which way they were drifting and then learn something about where they were and, and maybe be able to cut them off and reposition on them well the, the turkey ended up breaking and i could tell he was coming to me and then i heard him drumming and then i can hear a turkey coming and then i i, I see a gobbler out there coming through a hole kind of quartering at me from right to left and he's going to come from behind a, a big thicket of stuff and he's going to end up being about 25 yards 22 yards which is perfect and as the gobbler went behind that thicket i swung my gun to get on him and when i swung my gun me just being fixated on that one turkey I, I missed that there was another gobbler at 30 yards standing in the wide open back there just out of my field of view where I was not paying any attention. I was so locked in on that one turkey that I didn't see that other one come in. And when I swung my gun to get on the, the first gobbler I saw, that one started putting. By the time I swung back to him, he was behind stuff. And the turkey that I was originally trying to get <laughs> shot never came out from behind what he went behind. The old looker got you. <laughs> and the old looker got me. So... <laughs> uh they they went off and they never fired back up but you know that that quick setup and just not and it happens all the time in woods you're not used to it always helps to know the property but Mm -hmm. when you're doing some traveling obviously you're going to hunt a lot of unfamiliar places so you've got to 
take your time in making a setup because the turkey was very killable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had turkeys in gun range right there. That that should have happened. Uh, but it's amazing how many times it doesn't happen. I mean, I've got tons of instances over the years, whether I was traveling or not, in the home state where mm-hmm. you just make a bad setup. And the turkey comes in, and he may even get in gun range, but you crippled yourself being right here, and he comes mm-hmm. in from a direction that you can't swing, or mm-hmm. you know something happens. And one one of the things that when, when I'm setting up on turkeys, and, and actually the North Carolina hunt in general is one that I remember saying to Hayden the one the one morning that um, the one morning I shot the one turkey that I shot this year. <laughs> we were getting in there and set up and then we had roosted this turkey and i was like i was like trying to find the spot that we had the most cover and hayden kept saying i don't know i don't know i think that's too thick and i finally was like hayden i don't think i care at all about how thick it is in here i said i want the cover because if it's thick then he's gonna have to come all the way to us and he was about seven to nine yards away <laughs> when i shot him and like that's the one thing that i you know, if you can move within the setup where it's thick, it's like to me, thick is 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 sometimes better. Well, it's certainly better than open. Oh, yeah. Like I would take thick over open any day. Like like in 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 my favorite timber, um, hilly timber to hunt in, just the makeup of of what um, is actually on the ground in the forest is um, when you got like mountain laurel, rhododendron, a little bit of pine. Yep. In in those state in some of the states I've hunted that have that are like Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, um West Virginia, but oh, you yeah. you get that thicker understory to where it's not just that wide open timber that I've hunted in Kentucky or Ohio or New York. But yep. You get that you get that little bit of thick and that makes a big difference for turkeys coming in looking because they, they just can't see through it. So they're going to come up to where that calling is. Yeah, and I mean throughout the Midwest as far as, you know, having some cover and whatnot. I mean these little dense pockets along edges and whatnot that you can find to hop in to hide behind. I mean that's that's what you're having to use to get turkeys to come in looking because you take a place like Indiana, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> – you want to see some wide open woods yeah. go go to indiana cause you, <laughs> yeah. you can see a long way i promise and just any little thicket of you know there's probably i guess some of it's you know little maple saplings that grow yeah. up in places yeah. some of it sometimes there's little oak thickets but you know ash trees and whatnot sprouting up in little elms and, and yeah. things like that i mean you got to use some of that to your advantage where it gets thicker because there's plenty of wide open and unless you just get him to come down the right roll which is definitely doable too you know you, you have to use terrain yeah. if it's open if it's not if it's open you have to use the terrain in my opinion and, I, and it's always i mean to, to paint a picture of what I'm, i mean by that i like to think it's like if it's if i can see 40 yards in the direction that he is but no further that's about right where i want to be or 30 40 to 30 because yep. then if he pops up at 40 I can shoot him. If he pops up at, you know, 40 to 30 and he can see me right away, I can shoot him then. Yep. And the advantage that you have in the thicker stuff is is a lot of times you're then just picking your hole. And if you're if you're just patient, now the mistake that you could easily make in those situations when it's you're set up in something thicker is if you're not waiting for that good clear shot. And even the even the one I shot in in um, North Carolina, I straight up mowed a little pine tree down, but luckily he was close <laughs> yeah. enough. But that was my whole point was we're going to set up here. 
where we're going to make sure he's like 10 yards away from us, and then it's going to be hard to miss him. As long as you pick a somewhat solid opening, like you're yeah. going to have a dang good chance of getting him. And I, I just think that um, that's the one thing that my favorite part about turkey hunting like that, you know, is, is just straight calling, setting up on turkeys, just, just calling them in is you get so much better at understanding how animals are going to react to a call and what it's going to take to call them in, whether that be a turkey or a deer or an elk. When you're calling to something and you, you have seen how the animals react, what it takes for them to get in range of whatever weapon you're using, you're just so much more experienced to when you do grunt to a whitetail, yeah. to when you do bugle or cow call to an elk. That's what makes you, in my opinion, better at calling things in as much as being good at calling is, is just knowing how to set up to where you're manipulating what they're doing to yep. see where you're coming from. Yeah. No, I mean, so on a, a off the Turkey note for a little, little story here, I, I killed a buck in Georgia last fall with my bow and the, the place that I was hunting was basically, there was a, a drain or Creek, whatever you want to call it. And it, it came through, an area of pines that we've managed with fire and some of them just got thin this past year so it's fairly open timber is what i'd call it i mean uh, the woods look real nice and it's good ground for bucks to be running does out in but when they're traveling on their own and and deer traveling back and forth down that corridor that's a little bit thicker of an area they can travel and not be seen so it, it spit spit out into a little pine thicket right there and no no real big trees but i was in there and and a buck came from from back behind me following a doe and the way that that ground is in there there's a bunch of gallberry and, and you know from up there from my point of view i can see the deer just fine but when i called from his point of view down there all that gallberry so tall in that thicket that he had to come through there and come looking and if it had been an open scenario like if i had been set up 500 yards behind me out in that more open section of woods he would have been able to stand out there at 80 or 90 yards, and he would have done exactly what a gobbler mm-hmm. will do. He'd have flickered that tail just like a gobbler will tuck them wings, mm-hmm. and he'd have kept on going behind that doe just like a turkey will go behind the hen, mm-hmm. and that would have been it. But he heard that sniff wheeze, and since he had the doe there, it was no different than you know maybe like a gobbler hearing a jake yelp mm-hmm. and him thinking that the jake's right there. So it it worked out really well and he came in looking and he went from 65 yards behind me to i shot him at 18 yards and <laughs> just the terrain and using that that those, those bushes knowing that they were there it that's what helped kill that deer so yeah well i i i gotta wrap this up because i feel like i probably gotta get ready to go <laughs> get going to catch my fight in this and on this day but the one thing i'll, I'll kind of wrap it all up with and, and I guess I think you guys would agree is I love hunting period <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> and uh, it's like no matter what you're hunting if you if you you know just go get experiences you're just gonna get you're gonna get better at all of it it doesn't matter if you're hunting I mean it's, it's stalking squirrels in the woods to hunting mm-hmm. an elk in the you know the big mountains out west it's like if you're hunting something if you're trying to learn as many little things from it as you can, you're going to get better. And, and don't turn your nose up to any form or style, I suppose, uh, because you can Yeah. You can certainly get yeah, a lot I mean, every, out of it. 
every time you go just try and learn yeah like you said and and go as often as you can and you'll learn more and more uh-huh. that, that's the key is being able to spend some time out there you know no matter how much time that may be just use it wisely and get out there with yeah. them yeah i mean crystal is we were talking last night and she could just i mean i'm i'm sad i mean turkey season <laughs> might be, I'm, I'm gonna try to go to michigan if i can i just don't know if it's gonna work out but it, as far as right now turkey season's over for me and she's just like are you okay <laughs> i'm just i'm just like yeah i'm just bummed out and then we got to talking about you know what's your favorite and it's just like that's such a loaded question and yeah. pretty much whatever's in season you know but spring is hard to beat it's just everything's coming back to life you know it's just not even just the turkeys is everything you run into out there i can't how many fawns have we seen in the last couple of days you know <laughs> oh and, man i've seen a pile of yeah just all, all all the critters you know it's especially around here it's just like they're they're they've been ready for winter to be over for a couple mm. months now and everything's moving around pretty much all day so it's it's a pretty fun time to be out there just to see all the wildlife so yeah sad to see it go Mm-hmm. yeah morning as pretty as it was this morning you would i mean first thing i thought when i walked out the door is boy i bet there is one hammering somewhere <laughs> uh-huh. i mean here's one tearing it up yeah. oh i've seen them i've been fishing in wisconsin in the middle of june and i've oh, been yeah. seeing them tearing it up it's pretty weird. if you're listening move the season back a week <laughs> get a lot of non-resident income i'd say <laughs> if you open it up the first week of june you'd still be some pretty darn good turkey hunting too yeah. this whole next week is going to be 60 some degrees and I'd much prefer to hunt in that over 20 degrees when season opens up up here. Yeah. And I think it saves some turkeys too, so. Yeah. The one other thing I'll say is we've had a blast hunting with you, Bruce. Yeah. I mean, we. I'm glad you come up. Well, hey, I'm glad it worked out. I mean, it's the unexpected stuff tends to, I mean, the more you do it and get around, and I'm sure you guys encounter it too, just like the unexpected, just out of nowhere it happens types yeah that's the best that's that's where you end up having the most fun (laughs) and if you're you know if you're somebody listening i mean reach out to the people i mean props to jake for getting bruce here i mean jake sends me a picture of and I, and I actually, when I met Bruce, he, it was dark. And all I remember about Bruce is that he had long hair. <laughs> you know? And he said, Jake sent me a picture. And I said, I said, who is that? He's like, that's Bruce. He's the guy that we met in Florida. I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, so then here we are. We've just been having a blast. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of good memories. So, you know, if you're listening, you reach out to people, get in contact, you know, make buddies well, out there, go hang out. And- something Bruce does really well from the little time we spent with him is he'll talk to anybody, <laughs> not not even just hunters, yeah. you know, like he'll talk to anybody and like the, you're, that, that could be a great contact for you at some point. I mean, whether you're broke down or just looking for, you know, <laughs> someone to drink a beer with or something. I mean, if you're just friendly with people, you're going to meet some really interesting people along the way and mm-hmm. probably, I mean, you're gonna have an old Johnny Ni- or Johnny Ni- Mikey Nylon up in the northeast. <laughs> yeah. <area. laughs> yep, yep. If you listen to Mikey, I'm gonna come see you here soon. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.